This is Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith, bringing light and giving voice to our country's single greatest hope while moving the culture to God's design. Our mission, to increase the census of those who live and influence society from a biblical worldview. The time for Clearly Christian is now. Here is your host, Dr. Cy Smith. Hi, I'm Dr. Cy Smith, and this is Clearly Christian, a podcast about what it means to see life from a biblical worldview or to see it from God's perspective, and then the implications that that has on training the next generation to live a life consistent with a biblical worldview. I'm excited for our guest today. It's Jeff Keaton. He is the founder and CEO excuse me, of Renew a Nation, uh, whose mission it is Uh, perfectly aligns with the purpose of our podcast is to give millions of children a biblical worldview. And by that means we'll transform the culture. So I'm really excited to talk to Jeff and what he's doing at Renew a Nation, not only through his magazine, but through other ministries that they have there. I know you're going to enjoy what he has, particularly in light of or with regard to curriculum. And that's really where we want to start today. And let me set up uh, today's episode by saying this. And as I say often, let's go to school. Today, I need you to know more about how significant curriculum is on the educational big picture for your child. Let me begin by posing this question. Uh, For you, the parent, which one would be more important for you? Uh, A Christian teacher using non-Christian materials to instruct your child, or perhaps a non-Christian teacher who taught from Christian curriculum or using materials that's filled with biblical truth. And think about that for a moment. I'd imagine most Christians in this country would say, hey, I'll take the Christian teacher who's using non-Christian materials. And that may be a fine answer. And that's probably, like I said, how most would answer, uh, considering the fact that 90% of the parents in this country send their children to public schools. We know that uh, Christians are a big chunk of, obviously, that population. And I've talked with many parents of uh, students in public schools, and they often use that as a, a maybe an allied argument to their case um, and say, well, the child's teacher is a Christian, and that's a good thing. But I'm not convinced that that's necessarily the right answer, and it's certainly not the best answer. I think we'd agree with that. You know, we live in a country um, where the government schools teach what's approved in the state-adopted curriculum. There's no deviating from what the list that the state has approved. Every district has a list that's approved by that state, and that's what those teachers will follow. It's a published list. No one wants to be accused in this day and age, of indoctrinating children with religious values. And we have to maintain this so-called separation and often misunderstood separation of church and state. So for decades now, for 50 or 60 years, we've removed references to God and Christian thought or Christian thinking from our curriculum and just assumed that kids will simply mature to understand and choose which worldview seems right for them. Well, Has that worked out for us as a nation? I would say no, and I don't think we're going to argue that point. We now, in absence of this, we now spend millions of dollars in our government schools training students in things like social justice, revisionist history, human sexuality, and now preferred pronouns. So with no reference point or authority to consider outside of themselves, and certainly not God built into the curriculum, Many of them have now bought into lies of socialism. They believe themselves to be oppressed, and they're so confused now about their authentic gender in elementary school that some of them have chosen to identify as animals 
And we just can't believe this. Educated in these government schools, again, the vast majority of Christian kids in this country have never been taught in any form this whole integration of the heart and the mind, or what we would say integrations of faith and biblical worldview with academics. So the reality is, and we'll talk about this in a moment, every truth from every subject in school is totally derived from the created world and the creator himself. Yet they're treated in our government schools as if they have nothing to do with God. Well, as a result, then these kids live with this split between facts and values. And I know Jeff will talk about that. And all religion seems to be pushed into the values domain. Listen, students will adopt the worldview that's presented in front of them in the classroom. That's what they study. And after decades of instruction that's devoid of any biblical truth, what we have happening is exactly what Jesus said would happen in Luke 6. We have the blind leading the blind, unfortunately, in many cases. So back to the question I originally started with. If a teacher or a non-Christian teacher, I should say, was teaching curriculum filled with biblical truth, wouldn't that increase the likelihood that the child might understand, believe, and then eventually live out the truth principles that they were actually studying? Eh, perhaps. It's certainly maybe not the best answer, uh, which would certainly be a Christian teacher from also using Christian curriculum. But it may be better than the opposite, as I said. Uh, three points that I want you to take away from our podcast here today. Number one, curriculum matters. It's every bit as important, and you could maybe even argue more important than the teacher in some cases. If a child's going to study, understand, and live out what's true, then the truth has to be found in the materials that they are being presented with. And number two, curriculum is never neutral. Someone's values will always drive what's on paper in front of our children. Kids will pick it up, even if it's simply that God's not relevant to this discussion or this uh, topic of our classroom today. Kids will pick up on that. And that's a dangerous place to be when you're training children. And number three, all truth is God's truth. As I said earlier, every truth from every subject that we study in school can be traced back to the mind of God. If it's true, then it started with him. And there simply can be no other explanation. So as I've said before, now you know more. And when you know more, you can do more. You can think differently and then you can act differently and you can say no more when you must. Okay, well, let's put this lesson plan into action. Let's welcome our guest, Jeff Keaton, again uh, with us. He's the founder and CEO of Renew a Nation, a nonprofit organization uh, whose mission it is to inspire and equip the family, uh, the church, and the school to give children a biblical worldview. And as I mentioned earlier, this vision uh, to see culture transformed by giving kids a biblical worldview or training them in a biblical worldview perfectly aligns with the mission of this particular podcast. I became acquainted with uh, Jeff through a mutual friend, uh, Dr. Glenn Schultz, uh, and his publication, Renew a Nation Review, which is an excellent magazine used by Christian educators probably worldwide. And we've received it many, many years here at Mansfield Christian School. It's always full of great articles for those of us who are speaking to parents every day with regard to biblical worldview and children. So it's a regularly used at MCS, and it's an outstanding uh, resource for both teachers and parents. And we'll give him a chance to talk about Renew a Nation here momentarily as well. So Jeff, thanks so much for being here. We're super glad to have you and appreciate all the good work that you do at Renew a Nation. 
Well, it's a great privilege to join you, and uh, you did so well there. I'm just like, amen. Let's, that's <laughs> it. And you gave a great speech. I'm ready to go home now. It's awesome. I talk too much. Thank you, brother. No, it's great. I appreciate that. Well, as we talked about, many of the articles in review, uh, the Renew a Nation Review magazine, they do focus on curriculum. And so you definitely make that one of the heavier pieces there. And obviously, I've chosen to emphasize that in this particular um, podcast, but we'll come around to some other topics as well. But why is that so? I mean, why, obviously, in that particular periodical, have you said, hey, we better target curriculum and, and really focus on this for Christian parents? Yeah. Well, just first of all, it's um, it's shocking to me how many Christians think that your curriculum or your textbook set, um, it doesn't matter you know, whether it's Christian or non-Christian. Um, first of all, that was shocking to me as I got out into Christian education beyond my own local Christian school a few years ago. And I was like, okay, hang on, we got to think through this. So I would just like to say that curriculum is basically the sum total of what you want students to learn and how they will learn those things. That's your overarching curriculum, your plan for learning and education. Textbooks are the backbone of your curriculum. Okay, that's the way I see it. Textbooks are considered an authority by teachers and students. Um, you know, when I was growing up, if the textbook said it, honestly, I thought, well, that's got to be true because really smart people wrote that. <laughs> and uh, and the teachers seemed to be endorsing what was written in our textbooks. And so as a kid, I just thought, hey, if it's in the textbook, it's absolutely true. And I believe that millions and millions of children believe that today as well. Um, secular, each uh, secularized textbook makes thousands of false assumptions. Just pick one secularized textbook on any subject, and you will, you will see thousands of false assumptions. Dr. Josh Mulville, who leads our church and family division, when he was still a family life pastor at a church in Minnesota, he would have parents come in and talk to him and say, you know, um, I don't think it's a big deal, you know, putting our kids in the public schools and what they're, you know. And so Josh would say, bring me there. He would just pick any, say, sixth grade, you know, science textbook. And uh, he ended up buying a whole set of Christian textbooks, and he would bring out the, uh, the equivalent textbook from the, the Christian company, and he would lay them down side by side, and he would open up the secularized Christ, uh, t uh, science textbook, and he would open to the first pages. He said, I want you to scan the first three pages, and I want you to underline the truth claims that are made in this textbook. And Josh said that half the time the parents were, were so ill-equipped to even understand falsehood, that they would read through and say, well, I don't know if I'm seeing much. And John would say, oh, Josh would say, let me help you. And he'd go, boom, you'd underline this and this and this and this. He said, is that a truth claim? Yeah. Do you believe that? No. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And he said, within moments, their eyes were just opening up and they couldn't believe in the mm. first two or three pages how many false assumptions. Well, Josh would then take the Christian textbook, open it up to the first two or three pages and say, let's, under, let's underline truth claims here. And it would literally, he saw a revolution by doing that one thing alone. Mm. So um, most uh, of the false assumptions are undiscernible by young minds. Mm. I have had parents say to me, well, here's how I do it. My, my kid is in a non-Christian school or they have non-Christian textbooks, and here's how I do it. I, they come home at night and I say, Johnny, did they tell you anything objectionable today? And, and I've had parents say something like this. And if Johnny says, yeah, they said that, you know, homosexuality was good. And, and, and I, I told him that they're wrong. And, and so they picked out some big thing that Johnny picked out that, you know, was told he was told that day that was false. 
what I say to them is what you don't know is that Johnny read hundreds of false assumptions that school day that he had no clue were objectionable and he imbibed them and he took them in. And so uh, textbooks shape perspectives in powerful ways. For example, you take a world history uh, textbook. Where does a secularized world history textbook start? Does it say in the beginning God? Absolutely not. It starts with you know, evolution, the Big Bang, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I've watched them. And what it does, it, it'll, it'll eventually get to God, a secularized world history text, but it shows that people evolved, and eventually, as a coping mechanism, humans invented religion, created religion. Well, then you take a Christian-based textbook, a world history textbook, and where does it start? In the beginning, God. Religion is not a creation of man. Christianity, religion... Is from the very creator of the universe. Mm. So it's central to everything. Whereas in a secularized textbook, it's not central to anything. It's just a human creation. Um, mm. So I could go on and on, but biblical worldview textbook start with God as the creator of everything. And like you said, you know, any subject matter, if God is, if Christ is sovereign over it, if he's Lord over it, uh, then we can trace it back to his creative hand and his purposes for that that area of study. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm a big Christian textbook guy uh, after all these years of being in Christian education. Well, great, great points. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I like even right out, he said what you said right out of the gate for them. And it, it's kind of almost a joke now. It's equivalent to the Internet. Boy, it must be true because it's in this textbook, right? It must be exactly. true because it's in the Internet. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is you know, what's that joke? It joke. It's traced back to Abraham Lincoln. Right. And I found that on the yeah, Internet because yeah. Abe said it on the Internet. Yeah. Something like <laughs> exactly. that. It, it's good. Um, but, yeah, that's so true. And I remember I taught a, a politics and education course one time at a local university. And the book that they gave me was called Conflict of Interest. And this was a private school, not necessarily a parochial school. Um, and so I was teaching out of this particular uh, textbook and it was. Um, conservative in nature, which was uh, which was striking, uh, but it was quite telling. And I was even learning probably right along with some of these uh, graduate school students that I was teaching how uh, influential the lobbyist groups were, the special interest lobbyist groups on the actual writing of the textbook. And it really forced the students who, again, were young adults in graduate school that I was teaching, you know, people getting their administrative degrees uh, to think about, yeah, what really is, uh, you know, who determines and what, uh, you know, what is driving what gets in that history book, that science book, because we can't put everything in there. Right. I mean, right. there's too much. It's too voluminous. And we don't necessarily need to because you can find it online now. And, you know, uh, access to libraries all over the world. So but at some point, a group of people have to sit down and say, yep, this is what's going to be important in first grade. This is what's going to be important in third grade science or even sixth grade math or any subject that we teach. And then who are those people and what values are driving them and what's on the table in front of them? And even this book was very, very plain to say that, listen, this is not a neutral experience here. You know, somebody's yeah. values determine what gets into chapter one. And it, Absolutely. it happens with secular curriculum just as it does with any other curriculum. And, you know, I think even for these graduate school adults who really were talking through this for the first time going, yeah, I guess that's true. Facts aren't just facts. They are driven by yep values. And so that's a great yeah. point right out of the gate. 
Well, when you think about secularized textbooks, too, uh, you know, money speaks yeah. and teachers union speaks. So California is one of the largest purchaser of textbooks in the entire world. You know, and so if California says, I want this, I'm going to buy all your textbooks, but I want this, this and this. And our teachers union will agree only to this, this and this. Guess what? That's what's going to get in those textbooks. And those big states, thankfully, there's a few conserv- fairly conservative states, but their teacher un- teachers unions are not conservative. Even Texas, their teachers unions are not conservative. And so they determine what goes in these textbooks. And then all these smaller states, guess what? They get those, they get the textbooks that, that the big states wanted. And so it, it's, um, it, it's, it's, you, you can follow the money and, uh, and, and figure out what's going to get put in a textbook most often. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. And we've all heard that. Yeah. It usually starts on the coast and then it gets, you know, the middle of the country will probably be the last to get it. And that usually is true. And right. And you're getting those values that probably were for sale and the bigger, bigger markets. And that's uh, so, so true. And I just don't think, especially not for the 22 year old teacher who has just graduated from XYZ university, and maybe they've been at Christians as long as they can remember. Yes. But again, they went to public school, had no training in this integration of the heart and mind. Then they went to a public college and wonderful believer, but no integration of the heart and mind, no integration of the faith and academics. And then somebody hands them a Houghton Mifflin, Pearson, Prentice Hall. I mean, you name it. I mean, just any one of these, you know, uh, top five, six textbook companies. Well, of course, they're just going to present what's there. And it's all they know. That's all they've had K-12. Then they went to college and they had the same thing. Meanwhile, like you said, false assumptions everywhere and not even realize that here I am passing on things that are very unbiblical and false ideas about the world and thinking, well, it should be fine because as long as we know the Lord and trust him as our savior, then you'll, it should work out. But as we've seen, that's not We've been doing this now for 50 or 60 years and, you know, and I hate to say it, but now we've got litter boxes in some of our bathrooms. Are you kidding me? Exactly. You know, and, exactly. and we have to use preferred pronouns and we have to do uh, this, that and the other because, boy, kids have just taken it and ran with it because, like you said, their minds are not ready for uh, some of these false assumptions. That's a great point. Yeah. Let me just pick up on this young teacher thing. Um I talked to a worldview, uh, I consider a worldview scholar, a friend of mine, who really doesn't have a, a stake in the game, you might say, when it comes to textbooks. I said to him, what do you think about Christian textbooks? Because the, the, the uh, argument I've gotten from some heads of Christian schools is, look, our teachers all have such a well-developed biblical worldview. They can teach from any textbook. If it's a non-Christian, they show the falsehood. They show, you know. And, and I said to this friend of mine, what do you think about that argument? He said, Jeff... In a perfect world, pretty much if everybody was Francis Schaeffer, <laughs> he could teach from anything. You, you could give him a, a brick wall and he could teach truth from a brick wall, okay? But this guy said to me, we don't live in a perfect world. And, and far too many of our teachers do not have a well-developed biblical worldview and have never, it's never been modeled to them. They've never seen how this can be done how you integrate, immerse, whatever you want to call it, biblical worldview into every subject. And he said, so we don't live in a perfect world. And I see Christian textbooks as an excellent guide and training tool for Christian teachers who love the Lord, but don't really know how to teach this way. And that's exactly when I started a Christian school, I started hiring public school teacher after public school teacher, and they were wonderful, godly people. They loved the Lord with all their heart, but they'd never, ever been able to to bring together the truth of Christianity 
into every area of study. Yeah. And uh, these Christian textbooks that we used, and they've gotten better and better. We, we didn't have good ones years ago, but we've got some really great ones now um, that really do bring this stuff together. And it really helps teachers a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in this business, and I've been doing this now for 32 years, and I think my perspective has t- changed exactly the way you're talking about, because it used to be, right, our resources were scarce, and they were uh, not of the quality that they needed to be. So a lot of times we would supplement, you know, the secular curriculum with the biblical curriculum. And that probably was the way we did for 20, 30 years. And now I'm saying, boy, no, those days are over, and the stakes are just too high. So now, you know, start with the basis, let it train you as a teacher, let it be your core and then if you want to bring in some other stuff because you see something there sure. of value that maybe it's even just to point out the false assumptions or maybe it's got some bells and whistles that are really neat. There's a there's a, some manipulative for math or something, some other resource that obviously big money is thrown at it so that that can help you out. OK, let's do that. But let's make that the the uh, the added resource if needed. Let's not make it the core. Let's start with where it all started from the very beginning. And yeah, I'm 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 with you, brother. I'm preaching that uh, every year to our teachers that I know for myself. And I went to Christian school, but when I started way back 32 years ago, I sure was glad that I had that Christian curriculum in front of me, even though uh, you know I knew what I was doing. I certainly relied on that textbook, and it was not uh, didn't come with a lot of bells and whistles, but yes. it definitely uh, gave me the meat and the material that I needed to make sure at 22, I was teaching social studies and history and government and civics from a biblical worldview, and that's really what mattered, um, yeah. you know, way more than some of those bells and whistles that, you know, kids wouldn't remember that anyway. Well, speaking of some of those subjects, you know, I've heard it said uh, you know, we've lost science because we've been teaching this way in the, the public schools for years and years and years. The Christian claims sometimes in with regard to science don't even seem plausible. I'll hear that explanation. It's just we've moved on. You know, science is, like I said, the facts and things like that. And now they're coming after social studies. We've all seen that with uh, 1619 Project and all the attention that critical race theory is getting and things like that. So now let's let's reinvent that you know, boy, what's next? And what do you make of, you know, specific attacks on uh, curriculum? And what, you know, do you think we're, we're stopping there? Or why are we going after history? Because we have lost absolute truth. We've absolutely lost absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And we're making stuff up now. It's fairy tale world. I mean, that's literally where we're living. Mm-hmm. And, and it does go back to the whole social justice apparatus that has been put in place. And it's shocking to me how fast it has taken over corporations, the government. Um, uh, you know, I, I saw a woman the other day talking about a white politician. And this is a very well-known woman uh, of color on major television. And she said, I can't stand that white man. She said, I absolutely can't stand him. She said, he has beaten, I, I know for a fact this guy has worked with African Americans his whole life in a positive way, okay? And she was literally making stuff up out of nowhere about how he had abused people of color. And I, I was sitting there going, are you kidding me? You can say this, you can make this stuff up on national television and there's no, there are no consequences mm. because truth doesn't matter any longer. Mm. You know, the, the whole loss of an agreed upon moral code and what is true and what is not true is devastating our society. And I actually think it will be what brings about the, I'm not a pessimist, 
but I am literally seeing things that that from the whole social justice movement, which is really nothing more than cultural Marxism. It goes back to the oppressed and the oppressor, and I don't we don't need. I'm sure you've had talks about that. Mm. But the bottom line is this: if what they're taught now is that if you're in the oppressed group, if you're a minority, whether it's sexually, skin color, any kind of minority, uh, gender, if you're in the minority. Whoever's in the majority is the oppressor. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how they've lived their life. They are the oppressor. And therefore, nothing they, they say matters. All that matters is that I'm a, vict- I'm a victim. I'm a minority in whatever category it is. And therefore, what I state is true. What you state is not true. We've lost our minds. Mm. And, and that's actually a part of the whole furry thing that you were referring to earlier. You know, I was at a church not long ago in Pennsylvania, and the pastor has this massive ministry in the public schools. And he said, Jeff, we have a girl in our school that they're allowing to go to the bathroom in a cat litter box. He literally said that. Mm. And then I had another girl come up to me who's a senior in a public high school and she said there's a girl running around my school barking all day long and they won't stop her because she identifies as a dog the other one identified as a cat mm. this whole transgender movement it's all the, the problem that we're facing Sai, is that we've lost any kind of belief in an absolute moral code and the, the, the standard today is this the standard of truth today in America is how you feel about yourself at any given moment. Mm. And therefore, if I feel like I'm a cat, I'm a cat. And the people who want to say to this should say to this young lady, you're not a cat. You're a human being. You are a female. Yeah. Okay. They have no basis to defend that yeah. position because they've lost their belief in absolute truth. And so I don't even know what the question was, but I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I, I literally, this is blowing my mind. Uh, you know, when, when we don't know what true, what is true, then we have no basis for building a cohesive society. And Sai, we have lost our minds in this society. Right. And we are we are headed for a very dangerous place. Right, right. Yeah, and I can't remember who said it, but something to the effect that they this generation that, that they believe with their eyes and think with their feelings or something to that effect. And that is yeah. absolutely true. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I think that parents in rural America would do well to pay attention to what we're saying, because I think there's this perception that uh, those of us in the Midwest and even rural America, yep, we're insulated from these big city values and things like furries that you're talking about. Oh, this this must be only in downtown, you know, whatever metropolis things yeah. that where, where, you know, God has long lived. No, that's absolutely not the case. We have those things in North Central Ohio. I've seen them. And kids who transfer to this school will talk about things that they've seen at their local public schools. And they're exactly what you're saying. And I want to say, what, uh, you know, did this never get discussed in the Christian home? I mean, why aren't these parents just irate and saying, absolutely not? I mean, we we can't take any more of this, uh, but they're not. Maybe we just need to keep sounding the alarm and saying, yeah, this is unacceptable. And this is the result, like you said, of what we're getting what we sowed here just decade after decade of saying, yep, the truth is what you make it. We're not going to tell you kids what to believe this, that, and the other. And so eventually if, if anything goes, well, then that's what you're going to get. Anything goes. And you're exactly right. What's so crazy about this side is they, they, they want to say that public education is neutral when it comes to religion and that they don't preach a moral code per se, which they do. But actually, this new morality is the most radical 
form of morality I've ever seen because if you don't go along with transgenderism, if you don't call a kid by their right pronouns, you will get fired from your school now. So they've, they put this whole new code of ethics in that where everything that used to be wrong is right and everything that used to be right is wrong. We, again, it's, it's, I can't say to parents enough. And the crazy thing is this stuff is being taught. Come back to textbooks. This is being taught as fact in textbooks all across America. And literally right here in my county, Roanoke, Virginia, we literally, this was several years ago, one of the teachers in my church, a public school teacher came and said, they're trying to get me to teach my kindergartners that two mommies are normal and two daddies and not this, you know, this was, that was 15 years ago. So long story short is, uh, this falsehood is being uh, propagated through our textbooks, through our schools. Christian education has never been more needed than it is right now because you guys are teaching the truth from day one. And I can't think of any Christian parent who, who wouldn't want their child to go to a school that's going to base all of that education on absolute truth right, found in right. the person of God and the word of God. Yeah. Speaking of parents, what do you tell parents? I mean, and I'm sure they email you all the time or call you, things like that. Maybe even grandparents that are raising their children. We see a lot of that. Or grandchildren, we see a lot of that these days. Um, you know, and like you said, boy, the, the, the issues of millennial parents, that could be a whole other, other show because these are kids that have, boy, they've been raised with it themselves. So they have a hard time, you know, when Johnny comes home, I'm not exactly sure where to point you. So they're looking for help. They're looking for advice if they're even in the picture at all. So it might be the parents. And what do you say to pastors as well? What do you, what do you think, uh, you know, what's Renew a Nation telling these people, okay, let's let's start here. Here's where we can give you some direction other than just, hey, you probably need to get your kid into Christian school, right? That'd be a fine yeah. answer to me. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, well, take control of what your children are learning. Mm. That's what we're telling parents, grandparents, pastors, and educators. Stop setting back and letting the world indoctrinate your children. Mm. Uh, whoever has the most access to the heart and mind of a child will determine the worldview that child develops. Mm. George Barn, I've been speaking with him lately. We've spoken several times. We speak several times a year together at an event. And he says that he, in his 40 years of research, he has now concluded that the worldview a child has, the core set of beliefs a child has at 13 years of age is statistically the worldview they will die with. Wow. So I'm saying to moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and pastors and educators, wait a minute. Why are you why are you surrendering your children's mind to somebody who doesn't share your values? I mean one day of their mind to somebody like that. So what we're saying is you've got to get engaged in the battle. First of all, stop believing that it's inevitable that every kid's going to grow up with a screwed up mind. It's not going to happen if you don't let it happen. So it starts with moms and dads. When it comes to pastors, you've got to stop being cowards. I don't mean to be unkind, but we have too many cowardly pastors who are scared to death to stand up in the pulpit and speak on the issues of the day, which one of which is education. I'll tell you this real quick. I just spoke at a place where there were some leftist Christians. One guy yelled at me in the middle of one of my speeches. It was so crazy. I was speaking like six times at this camp. And and, and, and here's the deal. And I know we got to hurry. No, it's okay. As long as I talked about prayer and Bible reading and your personal walk with Jesus and treating your spouse better, those people ate me up. The second I switched and started talking about education, evolution, and economics from that podium, they freaked out. Mm. 
Okay, because here's the deal. They have what you were talking about earlier, the sacred secular divide. And pastors believe this. They have the they live with the sacred secular divide. My business is to help somebody be nicer, to live a more Christian life, to go to work and be kind and not lie. But the second and, and mega churches are filled with pastors who they if they dared stand up and talk about education, economics, evolution, anything in the real world. They would be kicked out of their churches or thousands of people would walk out the door because their people live with this sacred secular divide. And so what I'm saying to pastors is stop being afraid. And first of all, to parents and pastors, you have to develop a biblical worldview yourself. I mean, you've got to start reading. Go read Francis Schaeffer, read Nancy Piercy, read Chuck Colson, read our book on biblical worldview. I mean, start developing a biblical world of yourself and figure out how God is tied to every single thing in the universe and then get ready to explain that to your people. Because when you start explaining that kind of thing to your people as a pastor, your people come to life. The people who thought that Jesus only related to devotionals and worship music and Sunday morning sermons all of a sudden get up and go, no, he's directly connected to how I run my business. And it's more than just be honest. It's no, God has a purpose and a plan for every business. Okay, God has a purpose for government. You know why we have three branches of government? Because our founders believed in original sin, and they said if you give one any one group of men too much power, they will pervert the power because they believed in original sin. Most people don't know that's why we have three branches of government. So anyhow, you get me fired up here because the bottom line is, is parents, and grandparents, we have a whole series on grandparenting from Dr. Mulvihill. Biblical grandparenting doesn't mean you spoil your grandkids and just have fun. Trust me, I'm doing that right now. I'm having a blast with my grandkids. <laughs> the bottom line is biblical grandparenting says I'm going to help develop my grandchildren to become men and women of God. Yeah. How do I partner with their parents to do that? And parents, you are ultimately responsible. I don't care what your church does, what your Christian school does. You're going to stay. They're not going to stand before God ultimately more than you are. You're going to stand before God someday and say, hey, God's going to say, how did you raise those children? I entrusted into your care. So it, it's not inevitable. If parents will stand up, and, and really, you know, Cy, we've had this great awakening in the last three years. We've added millions of children to Christian education and Christian homeschools in just three years. You know why? There's a great parental awakening. Parents have said, enough is enough. You're not putting a boy in my girl's bathroom. You're not putting a boy on my girl's basketball team. You're not going to talk, tell my kid he might be a girl when he's born a boy. Parents across America finally stood up and said enough is enough. And let me just say this. There's a pastoral, pastoral awakening happening, too. I know pastors who wanted nothing to do with Christian education who are now taking bold action in this area. And I commend them because it's tough. You're going to lose some people. You're going to offend some people if you ever actually start preaching the whole word of God and teach people what God, how God views everything. But then you'll build a strong and deep and rich and mighty church that will change our world. Evangelical Christianity is huge. we got mega churches everywhere. And America's going to hell in a handbasket right now. Okay? You know why? Because we haven't taught Christians how God relates to everything. And that is the that should be the mission of the church, the home, and the school. Yeah, totally agree. Yep. Amen. Boy, that's a, a mic drop moment. Yeah, close the show. <laughs> they did a great job. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I couldn't agree more because I, what I'm finding is even after 32 years, now that I've done this long enough to see exactly what you're saying is, and I've spoken to our board about this and our teachers about this because they're noticing it as well. I'm saying things on stage now at programs that I didn't have to say before because 
the audience now wants to know, we're an interdenominational, not church-sponsored Christian school. So they, they kind of want to know, hey, where do you guys stand on these theological issues? We know you're a Christian school, but you know we don't come out with these publications all the time. We have a great statement of faith, but we're not always, yeah. you know, they're not always yeah. mindful of this. Yes, they have to sign on for it, but, you know, nine out of 10 parents probably couldn't tell you everything that's there. So I'll come out every once in a while, you know, Christmas programs or graduations or places where I know that hundreds and hundreds of people in the audience, and I'll say clearly who we are, all of the sudden now in the last three to five years, I'm getting applause, even, you know, uh, maybe some standing ovation type, you know, yeah. cheers and amen. Yeah. And boy, I mean, they want to know uh, that your school is not woke and that you're not yeah. on board with these issues and that you do have a plan for gender identity and it's God's plan for gender identity. And, oh, this is how you teach it from a biblical worldview. All of a sudden, I'm getting all this uh, support for that. And I'm even seeing that same thing, like you said, from our churches, uh, where I'm starting to see more and more pastors say, you know, I'm not necessarily doing it on a Sunday morning sermon, but I'm sending my kids there and I'm encouraging people maybe to give it, you know, yes. give it a look. They're not not as PC as they used to be and worried about, you know, people's tithe money is going to pay my private school bill. And so I don't dare, you know, I don't dare speak out on education. I think those days are swiftly coming to a close because pastors are saying exactly what you said. This is yep. my responsibility before the Lord. And I, I can't I can't just look the other direction because I might offend XYZ public school teacher in the third pew. I, I've got to stand before my Lord someday and say, I got to I gotta make sure that what's presented here is biblical accurate or I'm really at fault there. So I've seen firsthand. Well, why? Give us a little of your background and then segue into how they can know more. But why did you get Renew a Nation started? You know, what's your story in a nutshell in terms of what makes you, we know what makes you passionate now because we've been watching yeah. and listening to you. So I don't know if that's a question, but What's your background and just in terms of Renew a Nation? What is that organization all about? And then yeah. maybe just close with, okay, if we want more information about the organization, how they can reach yeah. you, then uh, tell us where they can do uh, find that out. So I was a senior pastor for almost 20 years, and my first church was in the inner city of Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Mm. I ended up with a, I went to a church that had about 30 people and that, you know, it was, it was a church literally that had never paid a pastor in the 37-year history of the church, and that's where God led me the first for my first pastor. They sent me there out of college because I couldn't possibly hurt it, you know. It was already, you know, it was already at the end of a life cycle. And precious, beautiful people there. But anyhow, God did a miracle, and within about five years, we had hundred about 150 children and teenagers in this church. Out of the homes, of many of the homes, were drug addicts and alcoholics who had gotten saved. It was wild. And we ended up, all those kids except for one were in a public school, so we ended up leading a Christian club in every middle and senior high school in Broward County, Florida. Our church was responsible uh, under an organization called First Priority. Uh, my youth pastor was over all of those Christian clubs, 32 of them. And I began to go into those schools, and I saw the jungle. I mean, I didn't I didn't have any desire. I mean, I grew up mostly in Christian schools, but I didn't see a great need for it. Honestly, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about being a pastor and winning lost people to Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. What in the world? They got them like 40 hours a week. I've got them two hours a week. I can't change their thinking in two hours. This is kind of how it started with me. I moved to Virginia, uh, launched a Christian school in 2002 by divine providence. I took over a church where one of the board members, his question to me when I first moved here was, why? I asked him, what's the best Christian school to put my daughter Juliana in? She was in second grade. He said, why would you waste your money on a Christian school? 
Mm. He said, our public schools here are pretty much Christian schools. Long story short, as a 32-year-old dad, I went to a local public school. I was open. I said, I don't know. I didn't know there was any Christian public schools. Okay, I went down there and found out he didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Long story short, we started school in 2002, and uh, in, in the first seven years, we grew to almost 400 kids, and, and I saw this, this daily. It was about discipleship for me. I mean, it was like, I'm going to bring all these kids in. I'm going to teach them how to love Jesus and send them out into the world to change the world. And uh, then God just literally in 2000, the day after Thanksgiving 2007, he began to burn a vision on me that I was not going to be involved in this helping a few hundred children develop a Christian edu- a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview through this one school. But I was going to be involved in a movement to take it to the masses. And he gave me this vision to give millions of children a biblical worldview, as you described. So I launched it in 2008. Um, I continued to pastor until the fall of 2011, went full-time in 11, starved to death 12, 13, 14, literally. I, I went from a booming, phenomenal church, and I started. I, I launched out and had three or four people working for me, and I starved to death for three or four years. I thought God I'd like to kill me, but God brought me through that. God brought me through that. Uh, he later told me I had to get you so low you would never take credit for what I was going to do. And uh, today we've got 50-some people working for us here at Renew a Nation. And uh, we have, you know, ministries that focus on families, churches, and schools. One of the coolest things we're doing, we get about two calls a week to help launch a new Christian school somewhere in America. Uh, and I have a phenomenal new partner that wants to help me get to launching 1,000 schools a year. I mean, he's this passionate, and he's got the finances to make it happen. And so I have a meeting again with him tomorrow, man. We are pushing hard. But we launch new schools. We rebuild uh, schools that want to need to go through Renew. Um, we help churches uh, rebuild their family ministry programs. Um, we have all kinds of resources. We got, you know, our book, Biblical Worldview, What It Is, Why It Matters, How to Shape the Worldview, The Next Generation is fantastic. Our latest book is 50 Things Every Child Needs to Know Before Leaving Home. Every mom and dad in the country ought to be using this book. It is the most intentional, practical guide to help parents train their children in a biblical worldview I've ever seen. We just released that about two years ago. And... Um, so, I mean, we just, we're, we're nonstop. So inspire, you know, we speak, I speak all over the place. Josh speaks that we inspire people. We get people off a of dead zero. We get people moving. Our magazine does that too. Um, but then we've got to equip. And that's the thing. The second part of our mission is to inspire and equip the family, church, and school to give children a biblical worldview. So now we're developing. We have professional development for teachers in Christian schools. We have a program we're training a bunch of public school teachers right now who come out of public school into Christian education. It's called Cornerstones. Um, there's so many things going on here right now. It'd take me an hour to tell you about them. But we're just passionate. We're going to inspire and we're going to equip families, churches, and schools to give children a biblical worldview. And at the end of the day, we know we're impacting tens of thousands of kids every year right now. And we're moving towards a million, having helped a million begin a new or more rigorous process of developing a biblical worldview by the close of 2029. That's what we're working on right now. Uh, That's fantastic. Well, we are, count us in, uh, both as a school and as a podcast organization, we are, we we share that 110%. So we are behind it fully. And we'll have to continue that discussion. Maybe this should just be part one. This is fantastic. (laughs) Uh, What's the website real quick? RenewAnation.org, all one word, RenewAnation.org, and that'll lead you to uh, all kinds of good stuff, and, and you could contact us. Uh, if, if people, Christian schools or families want to get our magazine, if you just buy one, we actually charge you a little bit for it, but Christian schools that want the magazine, as you know, we'll send it to you for only the cost of shipping or churches. If pastors want to put this magazine in the hands of their people, we'll send it to you for only the cost of shipping, and boy, are they ever going fast now. We're, yeah. we're running out before we get the next one in. No, I don't. I don't doubt it. It's fantastic. And as I said at the outset, we 
use a lot at MCS. And that just really, like you said, is scratching the surface. And I hope that the listeners today and those that are viewing, I know they have sensed the inspiration, like you said, and you just do such a great job with that. And your training is outstanding. But that really, the equipping part comes with all those resources through a Renewa Nation. And I couldn't be more proud of the work that you're doing there and really glad to get connected with you. Uh, the people not only in this region, but also the people that follow this podcast and others out there that need to be connected as well. Well, thank you so much, brother. We so appreciate you on this podcast and we'll continue to pray for you and you pray for us as well in the trenches here. And we'll stay connected and and certainly uh, continue to grow both of our ministries as well. Hey, man. Well, I've really enjoyed being with you, Shai, and, and uh, you're an excellent communicator on this subject as well, so much so that I'm sitting here going, okay, he needs to come on into our Speakers Bureau. You can stay <laughs> at your school, but uh, we'll talk about that. I'm serious. We well, have a Speakers Bureau, a group of speakers that speak for us, and I think uh, I think I just found a new one. I don't know if you have any time in your schedule, but you don't have to leave your school. You can stay that, there. That just fine. I'd be happy to help. Happy to help. Okay. Well, I, I enjoy right. doing that. Well, thank you again for joining me today on the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Sai Smith, and I Trust that now you know more about the significance, especially of curriculum, on the life of your child and the bigger picture of education. Again, curriculum matters. It's never neutral. And again, all truth is God's truth. And as I always say, the only thing we're going to, or the only way we're going to turn things around in this country is to increase the number of people who live and operate from a biblical worldview. And the best way to do that is to reach the next generation for Christ by giving them a Christian education, either in your home, with your church, or at a Christian school. So thank you again for joining me on behalf of Jeff Keaton and Renewed Nation and all of us here at Clearly Christian. Uh, this is Dr. Cy Smith with the Clearly Christian Podcast. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith. Hear more episodes at clearlychristianeducation.com. If you'd like more information about Christian education in your neighborhood, or if you're interested in education opportunities at Mansfield Christian School, or if you agree with Dr. Smith and want to help him in his mission to influence and awaken Christian America, you can send Dr. Smith an email through the clearlychristianeducation.com website. Message him on the Clearly Christian LinkedIn or Facebook page, or call the Clearly Christian Connect line at 419-756-5651. This has been the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith on clearlychristianeducation.com. Brought to you in conjunction with Mansfield Christian School. A Brian Media Production.